From the Tulsa World, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Mason, back to work this week after the Sooners get an off week, 6-0, ranked number six in the Associated Press poll. UCF coming to town, familiar in so many ways to Dylan Gabriel, uh, Gus Malzahn, uh, familiar to Brent Venables a little bit. So 11 a.m. kick, uh, ready to get back to work? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't know how competitive this game is going to be, but obviously we've had a, a lot of good storylines this week from just talking to a number of different players and Dylan Gabriel being foremost among those with everything that he invested in UCF and his three years there before coming to Oklahoma. One of those things, too, where uh, Dylan Gabriel, I think he's number four on the all-time passer list at UCF, so he's still on the record books at UCF. And now he's at Oklahoma, uh, where he's uh, a Heisman candidate in his fifth-year fifth senior, his senior year here at Oklahoma. Uh, and he was a starting quarterback for Gus Malzahn in uh, 21 uh, yeah, and started third game, last play of the third game, uh, suffered a broken collarbone out for the season, uh, looked to transfer after that, and ended up at Oklahoma. I had a chance to talk to Gus Malzahn last week in a trip to Florida. Uh, Gus is really impressed with the talent that Gabriel had, said he was a mature player, makes a lot of plays, and uh, just unfortunate that they had lost him. Uh, said UCF was top five in the country when they had him uh, at quarterback when he got hurt. So it finished eight and four that year. So uh, just interesting to see how how Dylan handles that this this week. Uh, of course, he's been very mature about everything. Uh, it sounded like he was very mature when he met the media last night. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, game plan they roll out against him, uh, obviously, with knowing what he and Jeff Levy like to do. Uh, I don't think this UCF defense is particularly anything special, but uh, Gus Malzahn uh, is very is a very creative coach, and Brent Venables talked about that today, just uh, the, the trick plays from an offensive standpoint that UCF likes to run, how uh, OU's always game planning for those, even if they don't run them. And you've written about earlier this season, they got some good experience with that against SMU that ran three different kinds of trick plays. And now they're going to face UCF that's uh, that's going to potentially do the same and, and try to, to get funky with it. Uh, but yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how, how big of a game uh, this is for Dylan Gabriel in an emotional sense. Do we see him continue to wear his heart on his sleeve as he so often uh, does this season with just celebrations with teammates after touchdowns and big plays, uh, the excitement of, you know, trucking in one defender or hurtling another. I, I have a feeling that, that that's the same kind of emotion we're going to see from Dylan Gabriel uh, during this matchup. And it'll be very interesting to talk to him afterwards as well about uh, what he feels in the aftermath of it. You know, I had a chance to cover Gus Malzahn when he was Tulsa's offensive coordinator in 2007-2008. It was his first real opportunity to call plays. He was at Arkansas in 2006, uh, but didn't really have a chance to call plays for a complete season. And uh, I kind of revisited that with Gus when I talked to him on Friday, and he mentioned how Tulsa really set the foundation for his coaching career. And you talk about trick plays. I saw just a bevy of them in 07-08. He loved that hurry-up, no-huddle offense. Uh, I know he has a lot up his sleeve. Brent Venables has coached against 
Um, I was on uh, three times. Uh, once when Tulsa played Oklahoma in, in 07, uh, 62-21 win by the Sooners. And then uh, two more times uh, when Auburn played Clemson when Gus was Auburn's head coach in 2016 and 2017, uh, two low-scoring games. So Gus has really handled uh, Coach Malzahn twice before. So this will be interesting to see how this ha how this plays out. Uh, again, uh, Venables 3-0 against Gus Malzahn. Uh, Oklahoma, and we had a chance to talk to Coach Venables today at his press conference. We're taping this on Tuesday night. Uh, you know, Oklahoma, the, the key is, and, and Brent Venables mentioned it over and over, is just staying focused. They have to stay focused on the second half of the season. They don't can't look ahead at any opponent. They want to go 1-0 and each week, and it sounds like that was the narrative uh, even during the off week. Focus on UCF, go 1-0, and and I think that's going to be the case this week, they're just looking ahead to, to UCF. They're not looking ahead to Kansas. They're not looking ahead to Bedlam. It's UCF. And I think that's where they need to be. They need to keep the, the all the chatter inside the walls. They can't let people tell them how good they are. Uh, and uh, it starts with uh, with Venables, and it goes to the leaders on this team down. Right. And, and I think they're going to do a good job with that. Um, I, th I think the other thing, too, is, you know, Texas was such a personal matchup. A lot of guys really felt the sting of that game last last year, losing 49-0, how painful that was. You you don't see – I don't think we will see such an emotional game the rest of the season. Obviously, there will be some dialogue about, you know, potentially the last bedlam for quite a long time. But for a lot of these guys, there won't be that same emotional investment. And so I think that that – in and of itself can help keep this team grounded, right? They just show up and they've spoken often about uh, the idea of a nameless, faceless opponent. And if you just keep it like that every week and, and you don't get too emotionally attached to beating one team or another, then, you know, things tend to play out pretty well for you in the, in the end. Oklahoma is 23 and one uh, after in, in the last, I think since Stoops took over after the Texas win. So they've always had, a good week after Texas, uh, week after Texas. So I think that's something to think of. The only loss was 2014, 31 30 to Kansas State. So, and that was a crazy year when uh, uh, after the TCU game, they won a game, lost a game, won a game, lost a game. They never strung together two straight wins after losing to TCU. Um, I think uh, when we look at injuries too on Oklahoma's side, uh, offensive line is going to be interesting to see what they do, especially that guard position. Uh, Caleb Schaefer, um, Caden Green, I think we're going to see some some new faces on that offensive line. It's funny because we talk about uh, two new faces. We got one new player, a young player, a true freshman in Caden Green, and then you have an old player in, uh, but a new player to the to the uh, to the team in Schaefer. Uh, Coach Venables had a lot of glowing talk about Schaefer, talking about how he comes in in a good mood every day, pops in in the morning, he's in a good mood, positive attitude. Made me laugh when he said that Beatonbow said the guy will piss him off at practice, but they know they play great on game day. And it, it was funny how uh, Coach uh, Coach Venables almost tried to do a little Bill Beatonbow, uh, uh, kind of a Beatonbow uh, imitation when he was talking about that. But Oklahoma's offensive line, until they get McCade Matire back, it's going to be uh, a kind of a, a work in progress to see what happens when they get five new faces to working together as one uh, starting this Saturday. Yeah, Schaefer is just a guy that he obviously had a lot of experience at Miami, Ohio before he got here that you kind of you kind of just wondered, like, oh, you know, why why would a guy come here if, if he wasn't going to have some opportunity? And 
it sounds like that he's done everything that's been asked of him in practice and has really helped elevate this group from that standpoint. Brent Venables talked about him him knowing his role as a reserve uh, among several other guys on both sides of the ball that are transfers that have done that, even though maybe they're not seeing as much playing time. But now the playing time is going to be available. You mentioned with the the injury to McCade Matoyer. And, uh, you know, so it wouldn't be surprising if it's, uh, Schaefer uh, for a couple weeks and uh, you know Green very well may be the left guard for the rest of the season obviously Troy Everett's had some chances Savion Bird's had some chances and supposedly is now healthy but uh, it just doesn't look like either one of them it, it quite has the uh, whether it's consistency from Bird or potential for in, in talent from Everett uh, there's just something that Green has that they don't have we saw in that Texas game it was very clear that OU more effectively ran the ball when Caden Green came into the game. And so it looks like him and Schaefer are going to be the guards moving forward, at least for the next probably couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good test for OU to uh, make sure that that offensive line is working together cohesively against UCF, because I think if you get that straightened out, they have a good week of practice and they go in that into that game with a good game plan this is a defense that uh, is not great that you really potentially have the opportunity to establish the run against and, and get your ground game going and, and make it more like what you want it to look like the rest of the season versus relying so much on Dylan Gabriel uh, to carry you in the ground game. In the ground game, we'll have to keep an eye on that too. Uh, they're hopeful, uh, Javante Barnes, that was uh, Brent Venable's words, hopeful that he'll return in the second half of the season. Uh, it's possible that he could, and but uh, until his return, you'll look at those other three backs, Marcus Major and uh, crew to see if they can make some plays. Uh, I, I still think that's critical for this offense. Uh, you're at the point now when you're midway through the season, uh, if you can just establish some kind of running attack. Of course, we've seen something with Dylan Gabriel running for 100 yards on Texas, but you'd really like some one of these backs to kind of break through and establish some kind of running game. It's really going to be up to Jeff Flabby to, to try to build something with what he has uh, because you're going to have to have some kind of run game if you want to get to where you want to go. So I'm kind of curious what kind of wrinkles they're going to show uh, going into the second half of the season with the running attack. Um, you're going to, you wrote a story uh, that's going to run in the Tulsa world this week. Um, it's, it's really interesting what, you know, in what we talked about this week, uh, with, um, an injury, well, an injury that we didn't know about really until over the summer is kind of, kind of of a scary story a little bit too. Um, defensive lineman coming in. Can you talk us, tell us a little bit about Jacob Lacey and just the situation of what he's gone through and just how scary it was. Uh, it's just really uh, just a blessing that he's even playing football right now. Right. I guess he he found out uh, kind of in the summer, started experiencing some pain in his leg and, and was having some shortness of breath. And then after a, a flight home to see a friend, uh, he started coughing up blood on that flight. And so he went to the hospital and he figured out he had pulmonary embolisms in both of his lungs and that had come from a blood clot in his leg that it, it, it spread to his lungs during that flight that he was on. And so just, just an absolutely wild story uh, that he told after practice last night that, you know, the doctor basically looked at him and said, I don't know how you're alive right now. And I don't think there's any way you're ever going to play football again. And yet 
Here is Jacob Lacey, who through six games, the Notre Dame transfer, he has played the second most snaps of any OU defensive tackle. And he obviously had a very, very big sack uh, in the OU Texas game that really kind of messed up the momentum that Texas had on his final drive, forced him to kick a field goal, and then OU goes and scores the game-winning touchdown. Jacob Lacey's been uh, an impact player and a leader for this team. He was the first transfer uh, to be named one of the weekly captains this season. Now Caleb Schaefer following him this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lacey's been huge for OU on the defensive front in terms of the presence he's brought in defending the run. And now we're seeing after the Texas game starting to emerge as a pass rusher as well. And yeah, you just, you, you feel bad for him that he had to go through all that. But it's obviously very fortunate that he's now in, in good health. No, not on any medicine right now. And uh, doesn't think that 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 issue is going to come back again. It's an incredible story when you think about it too. And, uh, you know, we think about all these transfers, just it's amazing what all these transfers are doing. And the portal has really been kind to Oklahoma. And uh, it's really, you know, you think about this program before the portal, where would this program be? Uh, you know, if Lincoln Riley left a couple years ago and Oklahoma had rebuild without the portal. I mean, we're looking at something that, easily couldn't have changed overnight like it has. This is probably a five-year rebuild. And especially with the move to the SEC, that would have made it even tougher. So, uh, you know, the timing was bad. But then again, with the portal rules, I think it's really, really helped Oklahoma uh, rebuild to where it's at now. So uh, Oklahoma fans can be thankful for the portal rules. Uh, I think it's really, really helped Oklahoma replenish, especially on defense with the playmakers that they have. Uh, guys like him that can come in and, and really make impact, be an impact player. Um, we, we learned also, Mason, 11 a.m. this week, 11 a.m. next week. <laughs> what do you think the, the game after uh, Bedlam? Are we looking, we're looking at 11 a.m. Bedlam. You want to take a bet right now? It better not be. With a game, <laughs> with a game of that, that historic significance and importance, it being potentially the last one that we may see for a very long time. TV people, like, don't you dare set that up as an 11 a.m. game. That needs to be a night game in Stillwater, and things get crazy when when such is the case. Uh, it rarely ever disappoints when it is a night game. It is, it is truly bedlam in those situations, and Hopefully that's what we're going to be walking into in Stillwater in a couple weeks. I don't know though, man. I just think there. I think OU snake bit five of the first eight games this year, eleven a.m. The TCU game at on on Black Friday will be an eleven a.m. kickoff. If they're fortunate enough to make the Big Twelve title game, we know when that's going to be, eleven o'clock. So uh, yeah, I really thought the Kansas game was going to be a primetime game. I'm curious if Kansas would have beat OSU. If that would have been a primetime game or even a 2.30 game. Uh, but uh, that drew the 11 a.m. game in Lawrence. Uh, so it'll be early morning in Lawrence. Uh, I think it was 11 a.m. last time they played in Lawrence, too. Do you remember? Uh, it might have been 2.30. I can't remember top of my head. But uh, I don't it was eleven. Was it eleven? That, that was yeah. a that was a wild that was a wild game. Yeah, and that was that was the Kayla Williams taking the ball from Kennedy Brooks game, right? Yep. More on that. Hopefully more on that next week. <laughs> yeah, we're getting ahead of myself because you got UCF coming to town. And that, then uh, UCF coming off a three-game losing streak, bringing a three-game losing streak. I think the spread's 18 points. Oklahoma trying to get right again uh, at home, uh, looking to keep that 6-0 record intact. The first uh, college football playoff uh, rankings come out 
two weeks from today, we're taping this on Tuesday, so Halloween. Uh, you know, it's been a while since Oklahoma's really paid attention to the college football playoff rankings and uh, win these next two games, and it's going to be fun for the Sooner fans to keep an eye on where their Oklahoma will be. Uh, really curious what it, what it'll be what it'll look like too. Oklahoma still has that quality win, uh, one of the quality wins in the country. Although this week there's some some interesting games. Uh, Ohio State plays Penn State, correct? This weekend, so that that'll be one to watch. And uh, but uh, it's it's really interesting. It's getting it's getting to be fun to to cover this game this team again, uh, Mason, with with these high quality games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I don't know. The quality of a lot of the opponents that's left on this schedule is kind of questionable. There's a lot of mixed bags, a lot of you don't know what you're going to get, but you do know that Oklahoma is going to get everyone's best. And I think that said, that is what ought to make these games uh, relatively interesting as we uh, go down the stretch, especially as you kind of watch OU playing, uh, you know, portending to have some success in the schedule while some of these other teams ahead of them are going to play tougher opponents and have to play each other. That's that's as long as OU takes care of business, that's just going to further open up the door for them to make it into the college football playoff. Yeah, I think it's one of those things now because Oklahoma, it's going to be every week. I really think they're going to say strength of schedule, strength of schedule, quality wins. I think that's when you're, if you're an Oklahoma fan, as much as it hurts you to say it, you got to pull for Texas and you got to pull for a rematch win over Texas uh, because uh, I don't know if the strength of schedule is really going to be there the rest of the way. And, uh, you know, these there's going to be a lot of quality win questions for Oklahoma. Uh, I just don't think you just don't have that. That You're going to have to win out. That's it. I just think you're going to have to win out. You're going to really pull for Texas. I think if you beat Texas twice, uh, it really helps you. You just got to win out. That's it. So, but it's still too early. I mean, we're, we're too early. It's way too It's only, they still have six games to play. So we better not get too far ahead of ourselves. But we're media. We can do that. Brent Venables and his team can't, right? Correct. Yeah, no, we, we. We have the uh, sole rights to looking <laughs> We're allowed to do that. All right. Well, I guess we better get to practice. We got availability tonight. So uh, thanks for listening to me and Mason. As always, you can check out all our content, TulsaWorld.com. John Shin, our freelance writer, is writing a lot of stuff for us as well. Nate Fakin, our video guy, is doing great work for us. He'll, he'll be at the game on Saturday as well. Uh, we're podcast, we'll have a post-game podcast as well. So we really appreciate you listening to our coverage. Uh, anywhere, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever, whatever platform you choose, uh, you can always find us there. And uh, thank you for listening. Everyone out there, have a great week.